Oh, here's Deirdre. Piss off, Deirdre. With cactus plants. She's back again. Oh, look at me. New house plant. La di da. I've had to turn the TV off and keep my curtains closed in case she goes outside to see if I'm in. She does that, you know. She'll go across the road, just travel up and go, Oh, you're in? And text me, Are you in? You know what I mean, you've just seen me hiding behind the curtain. I always say, like, oh, I'm just doing a bit of cleaning. I do like Deirdre. She's better than my next door neighbour. Now, Malcolm, he is a pain in the arse. And as a gay man, I don't say that lightly. I truly don't, but he is a pain in the arse. Deirdre. She's just annoying, but at least she means well. I've got a bun in the oven. No, I'm not pregnant. Although my stomach may appear that way. What with lockdown and all that. Lockdown belly, I think they call it. But I'm actually baking. I know, me baking. Kevin will be proud. For me, cooking anything is a miracle. I get the bad cooking from my mother. Now, she was awful. Don't get me wrong, a spaghetti bolognese was to die for. It's just to pit everything else she cooked which pretty much made me feel like I'd died. She used to make me food, or demolish it. That's what we used to call it. Now, for us, luck would come into play, as although my mother was a bad cook, she was a great cleaner. Her rules to herself were cook and clean. This was her personal choice, as she was a strong woman to make her own choices. I, for one, and Vic, my mother's boyfriend, for two, were both always grateful to this. She'd loved cooking. She loved cleaning more. That was her choice. She went out and worked. She did her own thing, but she just loved cleaning. She was... We would, me, both me and Vic, we would sit in the living room. Mum would be cooking and then bring the dinner in the living room and then go back to the kitchen to clean up. My mother never ate her food until the kitchen was fully cleaned. That's how she liked it. We always invited her in, but she chose to go into the kitchen, which was great for us. Now, while she was in the kitchen, this would give Vic and I time to pop the dinner in shopping bags, which we always hid under the table. What we would then do is hide the food in the shopping bag. Now, if we didn't have time, we'd have to shove it down a hole down the sofa. Or if we did have time, we'd put it out the living room window. We would both show our empty plates to my mum and say, oh, dinner was lovely. Um, and we're going to go for a walk to exercise the delicious food off. Mum was still clean and she was happy. She smiled and he gave us some more cleaning to do. And again, this is not being sexist, but she genuinely did love cleaning. That was her thing. But it gave us time to actually go out, take the shopping bags full of food, empty them into the neighbour's bin, and then go to the chippy. And we always went to the chippy. A lady called, uh, oh, I can't even remember her name. I'm, I'm going to call her Julie. So a lady called Julie. She would, uh, oh, Rosie cooking. Yep, you guessed it. Usual, yep. Chip balm, sausage, and a pie. Yeah. We were young, we loved it. That reminds me actually, I used to nip to McDonald's whenever my ex James used to cook for me. Now, don't get me wrong again, his food was actually lovely. He was really, really nice. He was Irish and he did some beautiful dinners, but he was just very tight with portions. 
So whenever he made dinner for me and his housemates, it was always very, very small portions, like little, and I mean small. So you imagine a plate, with like little dollops of what would be classed as food, and that'd be it. And he'd look at us and go, you're not hungry. I can't do Irish accent, by the way, so apologies. Um, and we were like, starving. But he, he would always, that was how he did it. Except his dinner plate used to be overflowed with food. So I remember going to McDonald's once, just before going to James's for dinner, and I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to be hungry. So I, I had a McDonald's. And whilst I was there queuing up, his housemate Stephen and Stephen's boyfriend, um, Damien, I think he was called, they they were there as well. And they were like, oh, we're having dinner at James's. We're going to have some McDonald's first thing so, so we don't starve. Because <laughs> that was the other thing as well. When we had dinner at James's, we'd always finish ours and he'd still be eating and he'd be looking at us and going, no, oh, did you enjoy it? And there was no reconciliation of or understanding of Actually, my plate's more fuller than yours, but always grateful for someone's cooking. So, can't really complain that much. Well, you can, but but I never did, because I was quite grateful for somebody cooking for me. Because, as, as I said, I'm not the great cook. So, I'm trying to bake now. I'm planning what to make for Christmas dinner. As I said, I'm not the best cook. I once then said to my friend Matthew... I cook for him, and he simply replied, Pray, I love you to bits, but if you're cooking, just tell me when, and I'll pay for a takeaway for everyone. I was happy with that. Some people would think it was rude, but Matthew was always honest. He was like, Pray, I'm never going to eat anything you make. And I think that pretty much says it all for a lot of my friends whenever I say I'm cooking. No, it's all right. I mean, some have tried, and they've never come back. And I don't think I've seen half of those friends. So, you know, I'm not the best cook. Although I had baked for a competition once. I, I entered the baking competition. Now, when I say I entered, someone entered on my name. Don't worry, we didn't win, so no cheating happened. In this competition, I baked a pie, or somebody else baked a pie. I had three main ingredients, and I was told I was going to be interviewed for some TV thing. I mean, it was only local news, I think, but... There was also a free bar. Now, me and free bar, not the best idea. Never good with me. I drink like a fish, literally. By the time of the interview, I'd forgotten the main ingredients, but I was clever. I'd wrote them down on my hand so that when I was being interviewed, I could look discreetly at my hand for the three main ingredients. I say look discreetly. Don't forget, I was absolutely bladdered, and I mean bladdered. Free bar, that's all I'm saying, free bar. The interviewer had asked me what went into the pie and I simply just looked at my hand and read that was it. I mean, if you actually look back, you can tell how drunk I was because I was just like, but I was really proud of myself because I managed to say the three ingredients and I smiled and I thought, that's it. However, what the person who actually baked on my behalf had forgotten to tell me was that I'd entered another part of the competition, which was to bake a cake. So I'd practised everything and remembered everything for this pie. All right, yes, I read the, the three things on my hand. But I still did it. And then I was told, and so what did you bake in your cake? What ingredients are in your cake? And I literally was like, what? What cake? I've no idea what cake. 
So as I looked at that, I was like, what do I do, what do I do? Now luckily for me, when I'm drunk and backed into a corner, as I always say, improvisation, and I managed to just improvise something. So what? So what then happened, my apologies. What then happened was, camera panned to me, I'm looking at the person who's actually bait, and they're just nodding and kind of mouthing the words, whatever they they were trying to say. But don't forget, I was drunk, so I couldn't understand anything. I couldn't lip read. But I just managed to reply, Oh, I'm so glad you asked me about the cake. It's my mother's secret recipe, which I can't give away. But if you tell me what you think is in the cake, I can nod yes or no. Cue my friend behind the camera nodding yes or no, and actually going brilliant idea um so the cameraman uh, sorry the interviewer then asked me what was in the cake and he said a load of ingredients and all i just kept doing was looking at my friend and if it was a yes i just nodded and went nod so obviously because it was my mother's secret recipe i say with inverted commas i didn't say anything because one i was just like don't say anything because you're that drunk and two i hadn't got a clue I didn't know about the second cake. See, just to let you know, if you want me to do something, you need to tell me everything. You need to explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old, and then I will do what I'm asked to do. Doesn't matter how drunk I am, I'll still do what I'm asked to do. But yeah, it was funny. I was impressed with my motivation, my improvisation on this matter. Also, just as a side note, because you'll all be thinking, oh, he's doing some cheating. It wasn't cheating in terms of, well, it was, but it wasn't for a financial gain. The reason that people bait and use my name was because they wanted to make the competition look more, because they didn't think that many people would come. And actually, it was such a good competition, many people came, so I wasn't needed. And it wasn't about the baking, it was about the community spirit of it all. And at the moment, things like that, you do kind of miss. I don't bake, but I know that the, a friend, another friend of mine, he runs a, a baking competition and he runs a, a baking event once a month. And people miss things like that. It's like clubbing and dancing. It's not necessarily about seeing all your friends it's been about part of community and you might be dancing away for ages but you're out with your friends and i think people are just really really missing that it's not long till christmas and what were the rules etc i think this will be the first christmas by myself i used to fear that spending christmas by myself every year because every year there was some drama usually caused by me which meant I would be spending Christmas by myself but as usual my friends would always come to rescue me and make sure that I'm not alone and they thought about me and that means a lot it reminds me that I'm not alone this year is different though, as choices have to be made and people have to look after their own families. It's sad, but I know deep down I won't be alone. There'll be phone calls and Zoom meetings, so I know I won't be alone. But I do hope they remember, I watched Doctor Who 
and my favourite comedy programme on Christmas Day. Yes, my favourite comedy programme is EastEnders. So those two programmes, don't ring me, because I'm not going to answer. I'm just putting it out there. No one interrupts them. No one. One of my favourite Christmases was last year. I went to Christmas with friend Chi and my friend Terry. Now, Terry, I always class as my dad. And Frenchy, because for whatever reason, this was the first year that he stayed at home because he normally goes to Rita's um, and has a big Christmas with them. But for whatever reason, he he kind of went out all hog and he did the full Christmas dinner. Now, I think, I think it was a six or seven course meal. So there was little bits and bobs. Now, in Frenchy's eyes, he thought, I've done enough here. Not just to feed us three, i.e. Frenchie, Terry and me, but to feed the 5,000. And like most people, when they make a Christmas dinner, they always think, well, there'll be so much, we can save some for the next few days and do a Christmas hash or whatever. And I think that was what Frenchie's plan was. But for some reason, Frenchie completely forgot that this is me and Terry. Feeding the 5,000 is like feeding five. To us, we literally ate all that. And I remember Frenchie saying to me, I got down to the second to last meal, and I was thinking, this must finish them off now. This must finish them off now. And he's still eating, still eating. I think I even went away with a doggy bag. And Daniel is, sorry, Frenchie is the most politest person that he would make sure I go home with something. But even he was like, that was our dinner for the week. That was our dinner for the week. And he fed it and he cleaned and he, he wonderful, wonderful host. The next day, Terry had found the receipt from wherever Daniel got his food from. Um, I want to say Tesco. There are other supermarkets out there, but I think Daniel got his from, sorry, Frenchie had got his from, from uh, Tesco. Terry had managed to see the, the receipt and noticed that the Yorkshire puddings weren't on. And he turned round to Daniel, sorry, Frenchie, and said, Where are the Yorkshire puddings? And Daniel, or Frenchie as we call him, sorry, um, just literally looked at him and was like, I made you a seven-course meal, you ate everything, and you're complaining about the fact that you forgot the... Yorkshire puddings <laughs> and just walked out and who can blame him moral of the story if don't invite me and Terry because we will eat you out of home and I mean eat you out of home I'll drink you out of home as well whatever you do this Christmas I know it's going to be different and I know it's going to be hard I grew up at a horrible time at Christmas and we didn't really celebrate it. My mother's famous line to me was, as a child was, you've ruined Christmas. That always sticks in my head. It sounds funny saying it, but it wasn't at the time. A house was on fire. Yeah, Christmas time. It does sound funny. Don't get me wrong saying it now, it does sound funny. But that Christmas I lost memories of my brother. He died a few years before that. And all his photos are gone.
but my memories aren't gone. They're still there. And I know that sounds sad saying that, but Christmas isn't about presents. We as adults know that. Yeah, maybe for the kids it is, but for us it's just a bit of reflection, remembrance, and to remind ourselves how grateful we should be. This year has been so tough on everybody. And okay, we might not be able to see each other at Christmas time, but we can do something. I don't know what that is. You know your family, you know your friends. Do something this Christmas to remind them that there is contact. And next year, we're going to build a better year. And we're going to build a better community. We're going to get out there and support each other. Whatever it is you do this Christmas, do something fun. Try and connect with people, no matter how you do it. Letter, card, Zoom meeting, phone call, lighting a candle, doing whatever you want to do to make this Christmas special. Because I tell you now, if we ever we needed something, now is that time. I will keep saying and I will keep reminding you that you are not alone. And although I feel sad at times, as I've said before, I am so grateful for everything I've got at the moment. Because although I may have to be by myself, I am not alone. Because I know I'm going to get them phone calls. I know I'm going to get those Zoom meetings. And I'm going to be doing something. But remember... Not between Doctor Who and EastEnders. I'm not answering anybody. I'll, I'll happily pretend I'm dead. Don't suffer in silence. One of the reasons why I'm doing these little monologue podcast things is to show that I'm not ashamed anymore. To actually say that I'm not doing good. I'm not ashamed to actually say I need some support. I'm living by myself. But I don't feel alone. And the reason for that is because I tell my friends. And they do what they can. And they can't always be there. But it just unlightens the burden. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas. And I hope you all stay safe. And just remember, don't invite me for dinner if you want some food for the rest of the week. I will happily steal your food. Love you all. Pray.